Hey everybody, how are you? Good to be back with you here on To The Point. Here on Monday, July 3rd, hope you all had a great Canada Day long weekend. Still ongoing. But I'm here this afternoon. Saturday afternoon, it was the beginning of NHL free agency. And I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of different opinions, some things I like, some things I didn't like from around the league. And of course, you want to look ahead to what's going to happen the rest of the summer. Because as I talked to a bunch of different people this weekend and on a phone call earlier, this isn't done. A lot's happened, but there's going to be a lot more that happens this summer. Yes, there's no hockey. Yes, there'll be less news. We'll get into the dog days of summer where we have to chat about Wimbledon, which I'm looking forward to. But baseball, home run derby, and all-star game, which I'm not looking forward to. But we'll have... It's it, there'll still be news and notes coming in. There'll be signings. There'll be trades because there's a lot to be done around the league. But I want to start today. I have every team written down what they did to stay up to date. That's what I did Saturday. Didn't do anything Canada Day. Didn't see a firework. Hardly saw another human being. I just watched for agency and then I watched UFC. Probably should have been more social, probably could have did other stuff, but you know what, I like this form. It's better. Seeing where people go, it interests me. Writing down salaries on my legal pad. Here's you can see, these are all the teams, two sheets, front to back, every player that was signed in the last two to three days. But that's fun for me. And that's not work, that's not a chore, it's what I love to do. And a lot happened, but I want to start with the team that surprised me the most, and that's going to be the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina is one of the most conservative organizations in pro sports, NFL, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Carolina does not like to spend money but they are always competitive. They are the Tampa Bay Rays of the National Hockey League. And their approach gets them to a certain point, but it doesn't get them over the hump. Yes, they won a championship in 2006, but that was a long time ago. Been to two conference finals in the last four years, losing in the second round in seven games to the Rangers two years ago. So they're at a crossroads. They're in a position here where they have one of the best coaches in the league, they have a good GM, they have a new owner, but they still don't like to spend big money in a market that's blossomed and becoming a major hockey market in the last 25 to 30 years. So what did they do on Saturday? Well, they ended the day without a goalie. They ended with Ronta as UFA, Fred Anderson as UFA, and they had Korchkov, who's also on a one-year contract, uh, on a one-way deal, but has proven very little at the NHL level. So they signed Antti Ranta to a one-year, one-and-a-half million-dollar contract. I love it. It's a tradable contract. He's a good backup goalie. He's played the best hockey of his career in Carolina in front of a really good defense score. So they lock him up as a backup goalie for the right number. No problem. Then, in a surprising move to me, they circle back on Freddie Anderson. They signed him to a two-year deal at $3.4 per. A couple things. 
Franny Anderson has been the most reliable he's ever been in his career in Carolina. He's He's been there. He wasn't present for the Leafs. I viewed him as a guy that wasn't going to be ready in the playoffs. He played this year. I give him that much credit, and he's not the reason they lost. They lost because they couldn't score, and we'll get to that in a second. But they bring him back at less money than they had before. He was making four and a half, so he takes a discount, you know, and it's only two years to go back to Carolina. So you get two goalies, your, your goaltending tandem, make $4.9 million. That is great. Nobody will have a better number unless you're on a really bad team. Even some bad teams have a higher number than that. Korchkoff makes a little over $2 million, so you can look at it. We got almost $7 million in net, but you only have one of those guys will not be at the NHL level. So at the NHL level, you're spending around $5 million, bucks, which, which is great, crazy good. You, it doesn't get better than that. So that's some good work. They re-signed Jesper Faust, who was on the team last season. Two years, a total of $4.8 million, so $2.4 a year. He's a good bottom six forward, plays hard, has been in a lot of playoff games in Carolina and with the Rangers. I don't have a problem with that. This is where Carolina surprised me. They bring back everybody, and I'm sitting there in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, you have the same team. There's rumors they want to acquire Eric Carlson. Doesn't make sense to me, but there's rumors there. But Eric Carlson's still a San Jose Shark. And out of nowhere, the Carolina Hurricanes signed Dmitry Orloff to a two-year, $7.75 million per year deal. Orloff was the top free agent available. He played good hockey with the Boston Bruins. He is a good defenseman, not an elite, not a number one, not a number two. He's a number three or number four defenseman. But he was the best one available, and they go and scoop him up. So now you look, you got Pesci, you have Slavin, you have Orloff, you have Brady Shea, and you have Brent Burns. That's a five-man group with Chatfield, that as, as good as it gets in the National Hockey League, the best defense score in the league, you could easily argue. Deep, really deep defense score. And Orloff on that team will ask to be the third or fourth best defenseman, so it's perfect. He takes two years. He's 31 years old, close to $8 million bucks. That's more than he would make on a longer-term deal. I truly believe it because I don't think he's getting $8 million on a long-term deal. But he gets 7.75, shorter term, and he gets to hit free agency in two years when the salary cap could be up four to seven million dollars. So he gambles on himself in a sense, and the Hurricanes get a player that they like a lot on shorter term as now they're in their window to win. They brought back Jordan Stahl, brought back Ronta, brought back Jesper Foss, bring back Freddie Anderson. And then later in the day, they signed Michael Bunting via the Toronto Maple Leafs to a three-year, $4.5 million contract. It's the only contract I don't like that they signed. I'm very honest about this. I don't think Michael Bunting's a winning player. I, I think he's been overvalued because he played in the biggest hockey market in, in the world. He played with two of the best players in the National Hockey League. 
in Mitch Marner and with Austin Matthews. He will not be playing with some of the best players in the world in Carolina. They have good players. They don't have that level of players. He's not a four and a half million dollar. He's not. A, he's not a top six forward in my opinion. He's overvalued. People look at him and they. Just, I think they try to make believe that they can duplicate what he did in Toronto, but he was bad this season. And I think his hockey IQ is below average. I think he's a stupid hockey player, quite frankly. His decision making in the biggest moments lack. So that's the one signing of the day that I don't like because I'm not giving a four and a half million dollar contract to a player that's worth three. Just me. But I look at Carolina's day overall, I give that a minus. It's good value contracts. You don't give out more money than somebody's worth or it's shorter terms. You make it work. I don't mind those moves. Here's the rub. It's still being reported, so I'm going to go with it because it's being reported, that Carolina is in on Eric Carlson. They want Eric Carlson. So that means one of two things to me. They just signed Orloff. He's not leaving. Slavin is their best defenseman on the team. If they trade him, they should fold the franchise. Brent Burns is not going back to San Jose. He was just traded to Carolina last offseason. So that means Brady Shea who had a career year last year in Carolina, or Brett Pesci, who's on the last year of his deal, have to be included in that trade, or they have to do something. Carlson coming in does not fix their issues. I don't understand the fit because their defense is... Eric Carlson does not make that defense better. It makes it worse, in my opinion. Their power play improved because of Brent Burns. And it was also reported over the weekend that Tony D'Angelo, although the trade was nixed last week because they made a move with each other under a year ago, on July 14th, I think it's when the date is, or July 7th, it's one of those two dates, Tony D'Angelo, a trade from Philly to Carolina, will be processed. So that means D'Angelo will be back in Carolina. That's another defenseman that can produce offense. So Eric Carlson to Carolina does not make any sense. Carolina needs offense. And you need to look at teams that can provide that for you. And if you're getting D'Angelo and you have all these great defensemen, then you should trade Brett Pesci. Because I am of the belief that defense is the, the most important it's the best way to win is to have a great defense. It's, it's, a, it's a prerequisite. You need to have it. It's like when you're applying for a job and it says five years experience. It, it's in the contract. It has to happen, which they do have. But you also need to score goals. And they couldn't do it last year against a Florida team that was not elite defensively. And I'm not of the belief that you just stick with the plan, and they're not. But I want to add another person up front. Pacioretty is not coming back to this team. He signed in Washington. So he's gone. That's another guy that could have produced offense. That it has departed. You decided not to bring him back. 
So to me, if Pesci is not going to resign because he wants too much money, or you don't need him anymore because you have a defense that's loaded with talent, which they do, it's not a crazy opinion, then you move him out. And you look at it and say, we have a strength on this team. We need to get better at our weakness. And other teams around the league will look at Brett Pesci and say, we have a weakness. We need him. I've talked about Toronto and William Nealon. That's been the, the team that makes the most sense to me because I look, when you make a hockey trade, it has to make sense for both sides. Where Toronto wants to try to win and so does Carolina. And yes, they're both in the, both in the Eastern Conference and you might butt heads eventually, but you both still have to try to win. And I, I hear all the time, Toronto's defense is not why they lose. Okay, yes, that is true. But it's also a reason why, okay, you might, you might have lost because you can't score against the Florida Panthers. But would your defense, would that Toronto defense have held up against Carolina in a series, in a conference final last year? They would have lost that series. Against Vegas, give me a fucking break. Vegas would have broke them. Ivan Barbashev would have snapped Eric Gustafson in half. That wouldn't have happened. So if you can get an elite defensive defenseman, which Brett Pesci is, and he also can provide some offense, then do it. Maybe it's not Toronto. But Eric Carlson, I'd rather have D'Angelo and the players you have added than to trade for Eric Carlson. He's a problem. He's, he's not a solution for this team. Just like he doesn't work in Toronto. I'll never be his biggest fan, ever. He's won three Norrises. It makes zero fucking sense to me. It will never. But what's a team that could use a Brett Pesci? A lot of teams around the league. And maybe it's a hockey deal that makes sense on both sides. The Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators have an Alex DeBrincat problem where I think his agent is playing it poorly. I think the player doesn't want to play in Ottawa for reasons we don't really know, but he doesn't want to be in Ottawa. So that's, we know that up front. Ottawa has a good, not great defense core. I like the Chikranad. I like Shabbat. I like Artem Zoo. Three of the defensemen I like a lot. Bernard Docker is an unknown. We don't know how, if he's any good. Eric Brandstrom has pretty much proven He's another Victor Mete where he was highly touted, but he's too small to have an impact at the NHL level. So could Carolina, who needs scoring, and could the Ottawa Senators, who could use another really good defense, make a swap? Ottawa, use the money that you're offering to Alex Debrinkat, and you're going to have to pay less, you'll give less of it to Brett Pesci. Would Brett Pesci take a five times five sign and trade? You could work out a dual sign and trade for both guys who are entering the last year of the respective contracts. What's so bad about playing in Carolina? You put up good numbers. You have good weather all the time. I think, I think there's opportunities there. So, who knows? I, I, there's teams around the league. You need to dig. You need to find them. 
But there are opportunities for Carolina to find scoring to improve their team. There just are, but you need to look for them. Um, looking other teams around the league here. In division's tough. Certainly, in division is difficult. What about connecting? Pesci might be a good building block for the future in Philly. Philly stinks. They don't want to be good, but you want to have a good defenseman, Travis Konechny. I think you'll have to give up more for Konechny than just Pesci, but I like him a lot. He's a building block. I think he's a winner. So for Carolina, to me, they've had a very good couple days. But I don't want to hear any more about the Eric Carlson rumors. Acquire D'Angelo from Philly and get a scoring winger and add him to your team. Where are the Winnipeg Jets going? They're an interesting team because they're competitive. I liked their trade the other day. But what's on the horizon? I've sp spoke to my uncle this morning. I believe by the end of this summer, Connor Hellebuck will be on a new team. And I believe that Mark Shifley is going to be a Boston Bruin. That's an official prediction for you. We'll see if I'm right. To me, Mark Shifley to Boston makes total sense. Here's why. Boston doesn't have a number one or number two center at the moment. They need both of them. Their best case scenario, Patrice Bergeron comes back. He's their... De facto number one. They trade for Mike Sh Mark Shifley. It's a sign and trade. They lock him up long term in Boston. They're competitive again. They can try to win another Stanley Cup after the failure of last year. Boston has prospects like Fabian Lizell. Maybe the, the Winnipeg Jets could get bigger on defense. They can trade for a guy like Brandon Carlo. Just a thought. There are moves to be made. Carolina, would, would Kyle Connor be available? Multiple times, 30 goal score. He scored 31 in his career, 34, 38, 31, 26, 39. Would he be available? Doesn't hurt to call, doesn't hurt to ask. So, lots to think about. Lots to think about. For, for the Carolina Hurricanes. But overall, I liked what they did. They didn't just, they, they kept, they brought pieces back, but they bring in new bodies. They're still trying to compete. Their core is still there, but they need another high-profile score before the summer is over. Nobody gets a pass or fail today because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen the rest of the summer. So some people I will because I know what their team's going to look like. But Carolina is an open – they are A-minus for the last couple days, but I need to get to that level. They need another person to me to get them over to hunt to be true cup contender and a threat. 
Because if they do not, I will still look at them and say, you're missing that key ingredient to win. From a good team to a bad couple days. I looked at the National Predators, and Friday they bought out Matt Duchesne. I thought it was a really good move. Matt Duchesne can still play, but Barry Trotz is the new GM. He didn't sign Matt Duchesne. He doesn't have a tie to Matt Duchesne. He didn't coach him in Nashville. So you can cut the court and do it. It's tough. It's business. Matt Duchesne built a house. He's got kids in, in Nashville, but that's the business. They decide to cut bait, buy him out. They dumped Ryan Johansson to Colorado. I like that move. You're shedding older salary off your roster. But then we got to Saturday. I expected them to be a team that spent little money or acquired players that were on the fringes that would compete hard but make contracts at Chicago. Corey Perry, one year, four million. Nick Foligno, one year, four million to get to the floor and to add some insulation with some better. So Nashville's first move of the day was to sign Luke Shen to a three-year, $2.75 million a year deal. First off, good for Luke Shen. I like Luke Shen. He was almost out of the league, and he's battled his ass off to earn this contract. I'm glad he's getting this security, and he's getting this money at his age. So I'm happy for him. Would I have given Luke Shen three years? No. Two max for a fifth, sixth defenseman. I have the same rule for fourth liners. You are not getting more than a two-year deal. And to me, you should get one. Third or fourth liners are replacement players. That's the definition of a third or fourth liner or a fifth or sixth defenseman. And in a given year... Anyone, anyone can replace you because your talent is just, it's here, which is the prerequisite to play, but it can dip below the Mendoza line and somebody else leaps above you. So if you are at that level, there's no way you should get be given security. It's a business. You shouldn't be given that security because you're not worth the investment of that security. So Lucien, no. Two years, three years at 2.75. Good for the lease for not giving it to them. They couldn't. Can't give them that year. You can't give them that dollar amount. Again, I can be, I can have two different thoughts. Happy for the player for getting that money for a team giving it to them. Stupid on Nashville's part to give them that contract. Then, this is the real perplexing one. They signed Ryan O'Reilly to a 14, a four, 14, pardon me. Four-year, $18 million contract, $4.5 million per year. I don't have an issue with the dollar amount. I thought Ryan O'Reilly would make more. It's a weak free agent class. He's still a number two, number three center. He's not a number one anymore. The problem, he'll be a number one center on this team. Nashville... Luke, 
Evangelista was one of the best players in the OHL. He got a cup of coffee last year. Looks like a player. We don't know yet. Cal Foot, waiting to see. Cody Glass, unknown. Older McDonough, Sanford, Sissons. They got a team full of, we just don't know. UC Saros is one of the best goalies in the league. And they also have Yaroslav Askarov, who looks like a promising young goaltender as well, who's playing for Milwaukee. But O'Reilly enters his team, you give him four years, 18 million. Why? What is the outlook for Nashville? That's teams that I hate when they make decisions on free agency is when you don't know what they're doing. When you leave and you go, when you leave a movie and you, ex, you exit the theater and you left going, what was the plot? What was that movie about? What were they, what were they trying to tell me? What was I trying to learn? It's like watching Avatar and you left, you, you leave the theater saying, what happened here? Are they trying to tell us about the Vietnam War or the Iraq War? Are they trying to teach us race relations? What, what, what is the, the premise of this film? And when it's a shitty movie and you don't know, you don't know. She's like, well, it could be either one. We didn't have an interesting main character. So you're, at the end of the day, you figure out it's just a shitty movie. Because they didn't know where, where they were going with it. And you leave, I don't know where I'm going with this. How do I tell the people that want to go watch it what this movie was about when you don't know? I look at Nashville and I tell you all, I don't know where they're going. I don't know if they're a franchise. I don't know if they want to expand, if they want to compete, if they want to tank. They are in quicksand, otherwise known as no man's land. We want to be good, but we're not. We want to compete, but we don't have the players that can compete. We don't have a number one center. We got Philip Forsberg, who we pay a ton of money. Tyson Berry, Ryan McDonough, Luke Shen. An old defense core with Dante Fabro. And then they had Gustav Nyquist for good measure, two years, 3.185 million. Why? I don't know. Injury plague, Gustav Nyquist, injured all the time, is on the down end of his career. Sure, let's give him years and a pretty decent salary for what he's done lately. Don't know. Don't get it. No plan. I started with loving it. He's 33. Gustav Nyquist is 33. And he's injured constantly. By the start of the season, he'll be 34. To me, I like teams that commit to a rebuild. Now, it's difficult. It doesn't always work. Buffalo is just coming out of it. Second them a decade. You need to be good at rebuilding. You need to be good at drafting. You need to be good at locating and developing talent. But rebuilds don't have to be decades long if you're competent. Does Barry Trotz not think the people around him are any good at, at their job? Why do you take the job? You still think you have a core that can compete? The core has been the same forever, but you're without Duchesne, you're without Johansson. Without David Poyle. New head coach, Andrew Burnett. 
I just don't see the direction of this franchise and wh where it's headed. And I apologize for my nose. I'm a bit stuffed up. Got a minor cold here. But are they better than Minnesota today? No. Are they better than Colorado today? No. Are they better than Dallas today? No. Are they better than St. Louis today? I would argue no. Are they better than Winnipeg? Wait to see. But three teams make it out of the division. And then what happens after that is there's two wildcard teams. Can you be one of the two wildcard teams in the Western Conference? <laughs> I doubt it. You spend a lot of money, you buy out contracts that have big cap hits down the line, and you add. Just perplexing day for me for the Nashville Predators. I give it a D plus. Hate it. I should be harsh. No, I give it an F. F. As in fail. Plus, I have no idea what they're going to do with their goaltending. A scar off got to a conference final in the American League. And you have UC Saros, who's a great NHL goaltender. Who's the future? Do you trade a scar off this offseason for assets? Do teams want him? I think they would. A cheap goaltender that maybe could be NHL ready next year. But do you want him because he's cheaper and you want to shop Saros? We've heard nothing about it. I don't see a direction. I don't see a plan. And if, if you can't, when somebody pitches you a business and they don't have a mission statement, when they don't have a business plan, then they don't really have an idea of where they're going or what they're trying to accomplish. And that's the problem with the National Predators. Let's pivot to a good day. Let's try to figure out together if this was a good day. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Kyle Dubas's first day as mover and shaker for the Pittsburgh Penguins, started off his day giving Matt Nieto a two-year $900,000 deal. Matt Nieto has bounced around, played for Colorado, played for San Jose multiple times. He goes to Pittsburgh. I like 900 grand. He's a fourth liner. Again, one year would have been would have been good enough, but they give him two. They then signed Nola Chari. Three years, six million. I'm not giving Nola Chari three years. I like two million bucks. That's why they gave him a third year to keep that number down. He competes hard. I think Sidney Crosby will like him on the team. To me, Achari is the new Hornquist on this team where he just he competes. He doesn't have to be told to compete hard, and he brings a level on the third and fourth lines that Pittsburgh has been missing, quite frankly, over the last couple of years. Then they get to their bigger deals. Tristan Jari. I thought he was leaving Pittsburgh for sure. Injury plague goalie who's had up and down numbers over the course of his career has never been a lock solid number one. Tandem with Matt Murray, beat him out for the position. Not hard to do. Ask any fan in Ottawa or Toronto. 
became the number one, but then Casey DeSmith took it the starting job for parts of the season. And Tristan Jari had a bad year last year. Pittsburgh misses the playoffs. But after all of that, you bring him back five years, $26.875 million, which is $5.375 million per season. Now, there's money given out to players who earn a lot that won't be worth it. The TSN panel with Noodles and Marty Baron talked about this. That guys get paid big money and it's always complain about the goaltending salary. I like to keep it fair. I complain about everybody's salary, good or bad. Do I think Tristan Jari is worth $5.375 million a year over five years? I do not. I wouldn't have given him this deal. But Pittsburgh is in this predicament of they know where they're going. They're not Nashville. They know where they're going. They got an old core that used to be really successful and used to win. So they have that old core and they think we got to put good players around this old core to try to continue to compete. Here's the rub. They, you know where that's going and it's going to end in failure. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a team full of tribalism, a team full of we can't break up this core because they've played here for so long. It's a fan theory. It's, it's a losing, it's a loser's race type approach to sports. I say it's a fan approach because fans don't like to see players that have played there forever leave the team. You have a sentimental approach. You have, you have, you have good feelings with that player. And you don't want to see them leave because it will hurt you. But it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's better for those players to leave. The Pittsburgh Penguins would be in a better position today if they let Evgeny Malkin and if they let Chris Letang walk. But they did not. So they're on the team, and Sidney Crosby will never leave Pittsburgh, although the fact he's the most competitive player that's ever played any sport ever, GMAB. But he will remain in a, in a position where his team will never win another Stanley Cup. There's another prediction, another prediction for you. If I'm wrong, I'll circle back to it. I won't be. But they're a team. Kyle Dubas comes in. We want to add new players. We want to compete. So we bring back Tristan Jari. We bank on him returning as a goaltender. And goal, the goaltending position is a lot like NBA now. It's a lot of load management. If you tweak a knee, you're out three weeks. You stub your toe, you're out six weeks. And there's just not a lot of heavy compete in the goaltending position, in my opinion. The Andre Vasilevskis, Igor Shosturkins of the world are few and far between and these goaltenders get long-term deals. They get a big salary, and they can kind of opt out. And if something happens in warm-up, we'll see you a month later. I'm overgeneralizing, but for the most part, 119 goalies played in the NHL last year. Injuries are frequent. Pittsburgh would be better off to, t to blow it up, to say to Chris, Sid, where do you want to go? Let's trade you somewhere. Let's trade you to Montreal. You couldn't get Dubois. Let's trade you to Montreal. But they're not. I don't think Jari's a good gamble. I don't. I don't think it's 
It was other goaltender con. I, I'll be honest. I like the Freddie Anderson deal better, and I don't have any time for Freddie Anderson normally. I'll get to Ottawa, a goaltending signing I really liked. That was better than the one that Pittsburgh made. Any other goal? I got them all here. All the signings. Going to go through it. Sorokin in Long Island. I like that better. Certainly. He's a better goaltender and he's worth the money. Cam Talbot, I can't really give a winning position there because I don't, it doesn't bring much to the table. The goaltenders that were brought in, Simeon Varlamov, four years, 2.75. I'll take my chances on Simeon Varlamov at 2.75 million over Tristan Jury. So that's a miss. It's a swing and a miss. It's a desperation thing. I would take my chances on Jeremy Swayman, give him an offer sheet in Boston, four years, 16 million bucks. I think he'd sign it. I think he'd be happy with that contract. And the Bruins, who are cap-strapped, would not be able to match that. Or if they did, they'd be up shit creek without a paddle. So either way, you're hurting opposition. But NHL teams will not use the offer sheet anymore because it's a they're all great people and they don't want to get the upper hand in, in a sport. So you can't get the upper hand on an opponent, of course, so they won't do it. But these are the kind of things that could happen. But do I like the Tristan Jarvis something? I don't. And the Pittsburgh Penguins outlook? Eh. They then give Ryan Graves who's from Nova Scotia, a six-year, $4.5 million deal, per year deal. This is tough for me because I like Ryan Graves. I like that he's from Nova Scotia. I like the way he plays. But again, Ryan Graves, at his best, is a number four defenseman. He was never better than that in Colorado. I would argue he was never better than that in New Jersey. But he's a good defenseman. I'd like to have him on my team. But a fourth, fifth defenseman, I can't give a six-year deal to. I, I just can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. And Ryan Graves was brought in to replace Brian Dumoulin, who departed the team. Brian Dumoulin, I believe, went to Seattle, if I remember correctly. Yeah, check my notes. He did. Two years, 6.3. So Brian Dumoulin, who's injury prone, who was very good over the course of his career in Pittsburgh, part of cup winning teams, they decided not to bring him back. But Ryan Graves comes in for more money. And four more years. Now, Ryan Graves, I bank on him playing more games next year than, than Brian Dumoulin. Certainly. Because Dumoulin's been through a lot. His body's been through a lot. Seattle took a gamble. They didn't do much. They brought in Dumoulin. They signed Kyler Yamamoto to a one-year deal to see if they can get anything out of him. But I can't give a six-year deal to a fourth or fifth defenseman. Happy for Ryan Graves. Lots of security. He can go play in Pittsburgh. He reunites with Sid. They're both from Nova Scotia. It's a good story. But it was late in the day. Was he such a commodity that you have to give a guy a six-year deal? 
I, I just didn't see it that way. Orloff, a two-year deal. Graves gets six. Um, again, just it's a little puzzling to me. I like the player. He's smart. He can add a physical approach to the game. He doesn't bring, he's a defensive defenseman at his core. But a six year deal for a defensive defenseman that is good but not great, I don't love that deal. But good on him. And they also signed Lars Eller to a two year, $2.45 million per, per year deal. Lars Eller won a Stanley Cup in Washington, was in Colorado last year. He's bounced around. It's a veteran. He can be your third, fourth line center. Been through the wars. I like what they did overall. Achari makes their team better and he adds to their depth. Lars Eller adds to their depth and proves the bottom of their lineup, which is the biggest reason why they don't win. Zucker leaves. Dumoulin is out for Pittsburgh. So I like that they improved. They, they noticed a weakness. And Dubas improved upon it. Because they'll come in with their top six. They'll still have Jake Gensel. They'll still have Sid. They'll have Malkin. Raquel. Rust. But Achari can, can play and replace guys like Danton Heinen. Replace Ryan Paling, who left in free agency for Philadelphia. Lars Eller steps in as well to, to eat those minutes. So there's positives that Pittsburgh did. They still have Jeff Carter on their books, which is an albatross. They can't get out of that. He's 38. He still makes money. I don't see them buying that contract out. Maybe they do this offseason, but it's a tough one to buy out. The best thing for Pittsburgh is that they're in a weak division. Philly is full-on tanking. Columbus is an unknown. New York, I still they're, they're going to do things this summer. I truly believe that. The Islanders kept basically the same team like they always do. Carolina is improving. Washington did very little. Did they get better? Mm. Jersey, to me, is, is the best team, you could argue, in the division currently. They need to get a goalie. This Pittsburgh day, I will give uh, B minus because I like what they did to add to their depth. I don't trust their goaltending, and I don't like giving that big of a contract to somebody that is a bottom pair defenseman, which on a cup contending team, Ryan Graves is. Like the Nova Scotia ties, but he's not a top four on a, on a winning team. And Pittsburgh doesn't win anymore, so maybe that makes sense as to why where he's slotted where he is. I just spoke about Washington. I'll touch on them quickly. They traded for Joel Edmondson early in the day for the Montreal Canadiens for a third and seventh round pick. So they had some depth on the back end. I like Edmondson. He's got a year left on his contract. So he adds to that defense core in Washington. And they also took a gamble on Max Pacioretty. One year, $2 million, plus another $2 million in incentives. Pierre Lebron reported 
He will likely be available in November or December. He'll at least miss the first month of the season. I don't mind this gamble because Washington's a gamble team. And not that they make gamble signings all the time. They're just – Washington is in a weird position. Like Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh is better than Washington. Darcy Kemper is signed. He's good, not great. But you look, Backstrom's a year older. He had hip surgery. He didn't play all that well last year. 21 points in in 39 games. And he just he wasn't the same guy. John Carlson missed a large chunk of the season because he broke his face when he took a slap shot to the face. I was watching that game. Scary thing. He missed over two months, then got another injury late in the year. What's up with him? Evgeny Kuznetsov, one of the most unreliable players in the league for multiple reasons, his play and also his off-ice activities. I would look to trade him. If teams want him, I would trade Kuznetsov in a second. Sonny Milano, he's a depth player. Ovi is great. You know that? Sandine, how good will he be in a full year in Washington? We don't know yet. Connor Sheary has departed the team for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dylan Strom was good, not great in his first year. And Tom Wilson, who I love, only played in 33 games last year. So Washington is an old team that adds another old player, Max Pacioretty, who is injury prone. Just looking at that roster, if it started today, that Washington team is not making the playoffs. Ovi will score a bunch of goals. They'll have a good power play. But they don't, have, they don't have enough depth. They're not a scary team. They, they won't be going on a run. Unless the players who want to call their cup in Hershey can come up and be excellent, they won't be winning because they don't have the depth to compete. So Washington's in a worse position than Pittsburgh because at least Pittsburgh has the illusion of hope. Pittsburgh can be a playoff team because they have better depth and they do have good players on their team. They do. Washington, I look around, I look at Ovi and I say, who can you rely on to play with on a given night that's going to be great? I don't think he has anybody that he can put on a wing that you're totally comfortable with. You can't be completely secure in Nick Baxter because you don't know if he's going to be available. He gets hurt all the time. Kuznetsov is going to be suspended. He's going to be there. Tom Wilson, you'd love to have him. He's injured. Anthony Mantha, come on. T.J. Oshie is the person I'll say that he, he can have the most faith in. He, he's there, game in, game out, and he competes hard. But Obey Kubel, Matthew Phillips, Nick Dowd, Garnet Hathaway left the team. He got traded the deadline, but he didn't re-sign. I just, I don't see a great team. I don't see a team that's going to be in the playoffs. Ryan Leonard, they drafted. Is he going to play at, at 18? I doubt it. So, Washington adds some veterans, but it's a quiet day because they don't have a whole lot of money. And they don't have a whole lot of options to be competitive because they're not going to be. They're, they're going to miss the playoffs again, and I don't see them getting better very fast. They had a really good run, but they're paying for it now at the tail end of it.
Ovi will never leave. That's another guy who should look look elsewhere. Look at a team. You want to break the goal record in Washington, as does Ted Leonsis, the owner, wants him to break the goal record in Washington. But it's no good for Ovi because Ovi's not going to win in Washington anymore. He might not make the playoffs again the rest of his career in Washington. That's not an overreaction. That team's going nowhere fast. Would a team take him? Absolutely. Even at that, even at his salary. Where to go to next? I want to prolong the Toronto chat as long as I can, just for fun. Um, Colorado, interesting team. Colorado. First off, they re-signed Bowen Byron, who's an RFA. Two years, $3.85 million per year. It's a bridge deal. I like it for both teams. Colorado gets to keep Bo Byram for the next two years as they try to compete to win a Stanley Cup. Period. They believe they're still in the window to win. They lost in the first round last year, but they're trying to make moves to get better. They made a smart trade with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And who did they bring in now? I'm trying to think of Ross Colton from the Tampa Bay Lightning. They couldn't pay him. They had to move him off the books. Ross Colton comes into Colorado. He's a 20-goal scorer minimum. He might score more than that with the talent they have. Yes, Gabriel Landeskog is out, but they're still making moves. Byron, that number, allows them to be to compete. Miles Wood, they bring in from New Jersey. A big physical winger that has intangibles that I like. Now, they signed him six years. Don't like that. But it's at $2.5 million, so a very low number. I wouldn't have given him six years, of course. But I think Colorado has the approach. When we won at the trade deadline, we got Josh Manson. Sammy Gerrard exited the lineup. We got some physical players on this team that helped us win. Miles Wood, game in, game out, he will throw hits. He's competitive. He's a pain in the ass, and he's not fun to play against. He just isn't. You ask anybody around the league, the guy is not liked. So you add him into the breach. You have to get through a tough West. You have to get over the Vegas hump. You have to get by Edmonton, Los Angeles, these big, heavy teams. Miles Wood helps you in that. What I will say is $2.5 million with the salary cap going up, even with four years left on, is an easier deal to swallow. And McKinnon is still in his prime. You have Rantanen in his prime. You have Kill McCarr in his prime. Bowen Byram in his prime. Ross Colton still at a very high level. This team is ready to compete. This team will want to compete for titles the next number of years. FanDuel, currently the Avalanche, are the betting favorite to win the Stanley Cup. For a reason, because they're a good team. Jack Johnson. Return to the Avalanche yesterday. Didn't see that. Just coming up now as I Google the team. So he's back. They love him there. Does Nikushkin come back? Landis goes out for the year, but you have Georgiev, who you like, Devon Taves, Ross Colton, Miles Wood, Byram, Johansson, who you brought in to take a chance on, Lekkonen, who's a great player, O'Connor brings you a different element. 
I, I Colorado's got a good team, and then they took a flyer on formerly great Jonathan Drouin. Drouin, who's had a, let's be honest, a horrible NHL career so far. Memorial Cup champion, third overall pick, and he he signed, played six seasons with the Canadians. He earned $5.5 million per year. Was not worth it. He missed time because he was late for meetings. He was going through things off the ice. And he's searching for something. He's still only 28 years old, Jonathan Drouin. And Colorado gets him for one year at 825000 Meaning, if he comes into training camp and he's out of shape, he's a pain in the ass, anything, you cut him. And it doesn't cost you anything. You cut him. But I think Colorado looks at the situation and he played his best hockey of his life when he and him and Nathan McKinnon were on the same team. Maybe they didn't like each other, but they but they played well and they won a Memorial Cup. He has so much potential and he can be a game breaker if he's dialed in. Gabriel Landeskog is not playing next year. You know that. Jonathan Drouin can play the wing. So... He's very different from Landeskog, but he can also be a game breaker. If he's dialed in, this could be an $825,000 deal where he gets 60, 70 points. He could get four points, but it, it could also be great. It's boomer bust, but with no risk. I like the signing for Colorado because it, there's no 825, see you later. And they already have a great team, but he could be, it could be one of the better stories or after everything he's done incorrectly, the way he forced himself out of Tampa, the way he handled himself in Montreal, he gets to Colorado and he helps the team win a Stanley Cup. And he's a huge success and he earns himself a massive contract for years to come. And he keeps himself in the league because if he has another bad year, if he has another couple bad moments in Colorado, he won't be playing in North America anymore. Because nobody's going to want to put up with him anymore. No NHL team will take the chance because he's no, he's not worth it. His, if your character is nothing, teams are not going to be interested. They need a reason to continue to bring you in to give you opportunities. And maybe Drouin can have a Jack Eichel moment where he just realizes, wow, like I need to change the way I am. I need to be a better teammate. It's not all about me. I need to take a check to make a play and see if I can grow and become a better person. It might be a long shot. What we've seen so far, it's not going to happen at the NHL level, but I would take that gamble and you can just cut it out right away. Right away. If you see a problem, if you see a fissure, you cut the cancer out. But I don't mind the gamble. I like it for Colorado, and I like their team right now. Let's see. Buffalo, a couple defenseman signings. They signed Eric Johnson, one year, $3.25 million. So they added a veteran to their young back end with uh, Darlene and Matias Samuelson and Owen Power. They also signed Connor Clifton to a three-year, $10 million deal from the Boston Bruins. 
Buffalo's got a really good top six. You could argue they got two number one defensemen in Power and Darlene. Samuelson's a perfect defensive defenseman. Eric Johnson's a vet who's on that. You could see Johnson and Clifton playing with each other on the back end as, as the third pairing defenseman. To me, Johnson, Johnson can still play. He played almost every game last year for the Buffaloes, for the Colorado Avalanche, sorry. And he played in the postseason. They didn't want to, I think they wanted to make a change. They wanted to go in a different direction. They may want to try to find another defenseman on the open market. They've gotten Colton so far. They got Miles Wood. They have Drouin. They could certainly still improve their defense score in Colorado. But I mean, Buffalo is on the rise. We know this. We know they're a good team. And Riley Stillman, what, what is he going to be at the NHL level? They, at the NHL level, they still have Labushkin. Yoki Haru is a young defenseman. They got about six or eight guys who could play in the NHL, and that's a good problem to have. But I, I don't mind these moves. Clifton's a puck mover. Johnson's a stay-at-home guy, veteran late in his career. Maybe he can get this Buffalo Sabres team back into the postseason for the first time in a very long time. So a couple of shrewd moves. Tampa had a quiet day. Connor Sheary, three years, six million bucks. One thing I can say about him, he's played with Pittsburgh's one Stanley Cups. He's been in the postseasons so that fits the Tampa Bay identity. But they've had to offload players. They had to trade Pat Maroon yesterday to Minnesota, trying to free up salary to try to keep the team. But they're winning. They, you know, they won. They were in three straight Stanley Cup finals, and they're starting to pay for it with their depth. It's the overall look of their team. They won't be as good next year, and it's because they because you win. And when you win and you trade away assets, you've got to try to recuperate it quickly, and it's difficult. It's real difficult. They still have Kucherov. You still have Braden Point. You still have Stamkos, Hedman, Bash. But the rest of your group is thin. The Coleman's and the Coltons and the guys who really helped you win, Barkley Goodrose, they're gone. And you need to hope that players currently in Syracuse or lower level trades can come in on the cheap, play for seven, eight hundred thousand, and produce for you. And Tampa really needs Tanner Janot to be a good player next year because they traded a lot for him, and he's a pro, he's a power forward that they they hope can be the next Tom Wilson of the NHL on a year in year out basis. Anaheim. Anaheim started their weekend not taking Adam Fantilli, which was a surprise, and they then said, you know what, we're going to spend some money. But Anaheim, to me, is nowhere close to being a competitive team when it comes to making the playoffs. They're not close. Their goaltender looks depressed in the net. He looks like he wants to get out of Anaheim. He's tired of losing, tired of being shelled, game in, game out, John Gibson. And I don't know if there's a big appetite around the league for him because seemingly every team has a goaltender, maybe L.A. would take a chance on him because they don't have a number one currently. Potentially New Jersey would look at John Gibson. But Anaheim spent some money. First sign of the day was Radko Gudis, three years, $12 million total. They give him $4, $4 million a year. 
was just fantastic in the postseason for Florida. I'm disappointed he's not going to a playoff team because I love watching him play in the playoffs. Leaf fans hate Ryko Gudis because he kicked their ass. He destroyed David Camp. And he's mean. He's not nice. And he plays unlike the, the whole Maple Leafs roster prior to yesterday. So that's why they hate Ryko Gudis. He's everything they're not. They're pretty. They're proper. And he goes to dinner and he kicks over the table. And he tells he tells the the mother of his girlfriend, yeah, that meal wasn't all that good. He tells the truth. So, and the truth hurts. Shout out Lizzo. But Radko Gudis, he goes to Anaheim, Drysdale, Fowler, a young defense that they're hoping to bring along. He's a good mentor. He's a good mentor to have, in my opinion, for the Anaheim Ducks. Plus just the rest of the team. McTavish is young. Zegers is young. Terry's young. Drysdale is a young player. But Colton White's a guy they hope that can continue to grow in the back end. He's a young guy. Obviously Drysdale. Jackson Lacombe is a guy who might play at the NHL level next year. They have a lot of different lineup decisions to make. Who's going to make this team on the, on the back end? Currently... They have Nathan Beaulieu under contract, Simon Benoit, Trevor Carrick, Cam Fowler, Gudis, Scott Harrington, Andre Schuster, Erho Makanainen, and Colton White. And not named there is Drysdale because he was injured. So if I include Drysdale, Drysdale's NHL level, Fowler, Gudis, nobody else. Beaulieu's no lock to make a team just because he's been around for a while doesn't mean he's going to make the team. Scott Harrington's seemingly played for every team in the NHL. He's still on a roster. Schuster's been around a while, too. He's 32. Does he get to play in the NHL again? He's played in the American League a long time now. Trevor Carrick, Benoit. I don't know. You need bodies just to fill out a roster as well, and he will he'll help that team compete. One thing I think you could say about Anaheim last year too many nights, it was an embarrassing defeat. It was, we gave up, we just gave in. They blew us out 8-2 when the game could have been 5-2. Sometimes that matters where it's just you need to have a, a sense of compete on a night in night out basis, and Radko Gudis is full of compete. They also signed Alice Killorn to a four-year, $25 million contract. Good for Alex Kalorn. Alex Kalorn was not going to get this from a contender. Not this type of money, nor a four-year term. He's 33 years old, so that brings him to his 37 when this contract's up. I love Alex Kalorn. Huge part of Tampa winning. Born in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Had 27 goals last year. Career high, 64 points. He, to me, he is, he's just a really solid player. He played all 82 last year, and he's another compete guy. He can finish when you give him the puck. So, Leo Carlson, does he make play, if he makes the roster, 
McTavish, Strom, Zegras. You have a veteran there that's been in playoff wars, that's done it. So to me, he might go to a team that's not going to win anytime soon, which I don't believe they are. But he'll get to mentor these young guys, and he gets life-changing money. Four years, $25 million, is a pretty damn good check at 33 years old, and he's used to living in Florida, really nice weather. He goes to Anaheim. $6.25 million a year. I think he would have loved to finish out his career in Tampa, but they couldn't afford him, and he was offered great money to go to the Anaheim Ducks. And maybe at the back end of this contract, he gets to, he gets to compete for a title again. But we got to remember, he's got two Stanley Cups already. Three, four appearances, two Stanley Cups. So you got the hardware, you battled, you take the money. You take the money after you had a fantastic season for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You've done everything you can for that franchise. You go to Anaheim. Good for Kalorn. Awesome player. I think he'll help the youngsters there, but they're not close to winning. All right, let's pivot to Canadian teams, and I'll circle back on the Islanders at the end and touch on Arizona briefly. Let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto had an interesting weekend. Well, first Friday was the, the first round of the buyout window. It'll open again in a couple weeks, but Friday was the last day to buy out somebody before free agency. We saw Blake Wheeler get bought out. We saw Matt Duchesne get bought out. Kyler Yamamoto got bought out. And Toronto did not buy out Matt Murray, which was perplexing to me because that's an obvious one. He can't be on your team at the start of next year because Samson Austin RFA, you need to find the money to sign him. They need to re-sign William Nylander, probably, and sign Matthews, long-ish term, five years, max, book it, in this summer as well. Potentially, of course, all these potential. But that's their job. That's Tree Living's main jobs this summer is to do that. Their first signing was to sign Ryan Reeves, three years, $1.35 million. I like Ryan Reeves as a personality. He's one of the most interesting interviews in the NHL. He's one of the biggest personalities in the league, and I will always appreciate that. The league is so fucking bland. They're, the, 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 the average interview in the NHL is like that cookie that you get if you're Catholic. You get the wine, you get that cookie, whatever the hell it is, that little white thing, and eat it. And you think it's really good at the time, but actually you're in church and you're hungry, so anything will taste good. Plus, you're in church because you're probably fucking bored to death. So anything other than singing a hymn sounds really fascinating. But you, you eat the cookie, right? And you enjoy it. So that's why Ryan Reeves is great for Toronto because nobody on that team has any fucking personality. John Tavares, nothing. 
He's like a skunk. He just he stinks the way he speaks. Nothing comes out of it. Matthews dresses nice. UFC in May, as I like to call him. No personality. Marner, nothing. So their best players bring nothing to the table. When it comes to interest, when it comes to promotion, nothing. Ryan Reeves is a fighter. He's a blue-collar guy. And there's a lot of blue-collar Maple Leafs fans. The people that don't get into the arena. The average person that you know is a Maple Leaf fan that's blue-collar. They work hard, they make their money, and they go home and watch the Maple Leafs play. They'll love Ryan Reeves just like they love Ty Domi, just like they love Colton Orr, Frazier McLaren. You go on through the years of fighters that the Maple Leafs have occupied. But this isn't the 90s. This isn't 10 years ago where a player like Ryan Reeves is needed. Certainly not for three years. This signing is a waste. He will be there and he'll play in the regular season. But Ryan Reese has, pro has proved on the Rangers, on Vegas, on Minnesota, when it comes to playoff time, you know where he ends up in the press box. He's a healthy scratch and he doesn't play because it's too fast because and it just it doesn't work. His foot speed isn't there anymore. And I'm not signing a player just for personality. I like Revo Cop, but it's not a smart signing because it's just not where the league is currently. I like his physical play. I like his personality, but it just doesn't mesh with where the league stands currently. And I'm not giving a three-year deal to the 12th, 13th forward. You give him a roster spot, he makes $1.35 That means you can't send him to the minors. You are taking a roster spot from somebody else. And on a given night, he won't be needed all the time. And anytime Austin Matthews gets punched in the face, Reeves won't be on the ice. So it's a moot point. There are power forwards, and I think they did a better job yesterday. We'll get to that in a second. They then signed John Klingberg late on Saturday to a one-year deal of $4.1 million a season. This is a gamble. Klingberg had a horrible fragency last year where he wanted eight to nine million bucks, overplayed his hand, and he ended up only getting a one-year deal from Anaheim. So this year, didn't have a great year in Anaheim because nobody does. And he gets to Toronto, takes $4.1 million. He gets to gamble on himself and see if he can make more money when the cap goes up next year. Klingberg's an offensive guy. To me, we've seen Sandine play the power play. We've seen Morgan Riley on the power play in the back end. Sandine was better than Morgan Riley on the power play. John Klingberg could start the year running the Maple Leafs power play. Unless something drastic happens via trade, Eric Carlson ends up in Toronto, which would be a colossal mistake. John Klingberg should be the only defenseman on the ice on the power play. Never to ever. I don't care the team. Klingberg is back there with Matthews, Nylander, Marner, whoever else. He is the point man on the power play. He's more offensively creative than Morgan Riley. He's not a better defenseman than Morgan Riley, but more offensive, more creative, 
better shot, not hard to have a better shot than Morgan Riley. Better shot, he can, and he just, he's, that's, let Morgan be the second unit. He can play some penalty kill, but take the burden off of him. Klingberg, at his best, is a point-producing defenseman. At his worst, is a defensive liability and becomes unplayable at times, which he was in Dallas at the end of his tenure. He needs to know what he is. The, co- the key for John Klingberg is for coaches to define his role and what they expect of him. What, the problem with him with Dallas, and if you're not familiar with his tenure in Dallas, he was the top dog. Then Miro Heiskanen was drafted. Miro Heiskanen is a better defenseman. Miro Heiskanen is one of the best defensemen in the league. It became a pissing contest where Klingberg wanted to prove he was better than Heiskanen, which he was not. He failed. His numbers dipped. His, for all the old heads out there, his plus minus continued to get worse and worse and worse. And before you knew it, he was nothing. I don't mind the gamble. Don't love the player, but it's one year. You deal with it. Then we get to yesterday. Tyler Bertuzzi. I thought Tyler Bertuzzi was going to get a long-term deal and sign with the team for six, seven years. But he didn't have a good regular season, injuries and inconsistency. Then went to Boston and had a great postseason, fantastic postseason, was awesome, but they lost in the first round. So you kind of forget about that. But the lease, and this is such poetic justice, Toronto, who was one of the most strict cities of any on the planet during COVID. You needed to have boosters. You needed to have COVID shots. You needed to have a chip in your neck to get in that country. I mean, it puts my mother to shame with the kind of stuff you needed to get by to get in the door of the the Warren household. But you needed some stuff to get into Ontario. You couldn't go golfing. You couldn't do anything for a long time. And Tyler Bertuzzi, for a year and a half, could not play hockey in Canada because he is still the only player in the NHL that is unvaccinated. But the pandemic is over, and now Tyler Bertuzzi is playing in a Canadian market for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow, do things change. I love it. One year, five and a half million. And we saw this. It was a trend. Players took shorter term deals, one year deals, hoping to have a huge year so that they can cash in when the cap goes up next summer. Bertuzzi plays for one year. He might be on a line with Matthews and Marner, replacing Michael Bunting as a better player and have a huge year. He might get some secondary power play time. He becomes an elite winger on this team. He's a top six forward. And he has immense value, and he signs a long-term deal not in Toronto after a great year. To me, that's the play. You either start Max Domi, who they also signed for one year's $3 million, or Tyler Bertuzzi, one year 5.5, on Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's line. Both might get a look. But I would go Bertuzzi, Marner, and Matthews to start the year. That would be my top line. 
Then you got Nylander and Tavares, and you can do whatever you want with the rest of your team. But Tyler Bertuzzi will go into the corners. He will go get the puck. He will battle. But if you go Marner, Matthews, and Bertuzzi, you go Tavares, Nylander, Matthew Nyes, it's a pretty damn good top six. Camp, Lafferty, Yarncroke potentially is your third line. Or you could go Camp, Yarncroke, Domi, and then you go Lafferty, Reeves, Robertson. Is he going to make the team? The prodigy? The other prodigy? Is he going to make the team? But you're adding depth. Depth, partner. That's that's the best thing, is that you have options. But to me, you've got more bodies to play around. They also signed Dylan Gambrell today, who played in Chicago the last couple of years. One year, 700 grand. So... I like the two signings. It adds a different personality. The Reeves one was the, the miss for me. He was the miss when it comes to finding somebody to change the, the look of the team. They also have Zach Aston Reese still on the team, so they even have more options with him. But the, the Leafs add more depth. They can have third and fourth lines that you can at least look at. This is at least a checking line. We can add some offense here. Camp and Max Domi. I think could mesh well together because Domi adds some offense that Camp doesn't, but he plays so well defensively. So there's some room to play around. And I like both of the moves. Max Domi to me had has had a good couple years. He had a good... Had a good season in Chicago on a really bad team. Then went to Dallas, and he was productive in the playoffs. He's been to a conference final, and he's been to the second round the last two years. More than the Maple Leafs have. So he has that experience. He's been through long runs. And I think he's going to be excited. I think he's going to be motivated to play in a big hockey market. To play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the team his dad played for. Another pajama boy returning home, if you will, with John Tavares. So for the least last couple days, I'm going to give it a B, a B, maybe B plus. First two signings are iffy. I don't like the Reeves one. So I'll give it a B plus. Now for the least, their job, to me, you're not, I don't want to give out any more assets to get rid of Matt Murray. I buy him out. Buy him out the next period. He, he can't be on the roster to start next year. Just can't happen. Team can't do it. The fan base can't see his face. It just you 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 buy him out. Samson Austin RFA. Perfect world. Four years times four and a half. Or maybe you match what Ottawa did with Corpus Alley. You go five years, twenty million. That's five years, four million per year. You also have jo and I go Samson off and Joseph Wall into. Next season. That's my goaltending tandem. With that team, it should be good enough to win. Aiden Hill just won a Stanley Cup with the Vegas Golden Knights.
and obviously re-sign Nylander and Matthews or trade Nylander, which I don't think is the best move because he's not the problem. But you might have to if he wants too much money. If he wants to make 10 plus million, which I think he will because Will Nylander is the son of Michael Nylander who liked to take every cent he could, which who doesn't? Who doesn't? We're all human beings. We want to make as much money as we can. If he outprices himself, then you call Carolina. Or you call a team with a defenseman not named Eric Carlson. Pretty simple. Ottawa re-signed Eric Brandstrom and Jacob Bernard Docker, as I mentioned earlier, and they signed Jonas Corposalo, five years, 20 million. Love it. Ottawa needed a goalie. Cam Talbot, Matt Murray. Since Craig Anderson, they have flopped on every goalie that they've signed. They've all been misses, and they couldn't afford to miss again. I like Corposalo. I think he's a gamer. He had surgery a couple years ago, but he played last year in Columbus. He played well for L.A. down the stretch in the postseason. And pairing him with Anton Forsberg, I like the tandem. Corpus is your number one. They didn't go out there and spend crazy money on Tristan Jari, which I thought they might do. They didn't decide to trade for Connor Hellebuck, which I did think they could have been in the market for. They didn't give an offer sheet to a Swayman or a Samsonov. I like what they did. I do. Corpusalo is a good goaltender. They have a team. They need to decide what to do with the brink at. And Pierre Dorian, be creative. Be creative. Can you turn the brink at into a player on your roster? That is a imperative to me. That trade's going to be difficult. It's going to require a lot of moving pieces. But I don't think he fits on the team. I'd rather have another defenseman on my team that can play. Make it happen. I give Ottawa B plus as well. Let's see. Edmonton. Quiet day for Edmonton. Not a lot of money. They're going to do more coming up. They got Bouchard, who they need to sign. They have another a, a number of restricted free agents who need money, and they don't have a whole lot of salary cap space. They bought out Kyler Yamamoto, and they signed Connor Brown to a one-year $775,000 plus $3.25 million in bonuses. Don't mind the gamble. He's coming off a torn ACL. He played with McDavid, and to me, he fits that team. He's kind of like a Zach Hyman type. To me, he's, he's a third liner, in my opinion. And looking at their team, so they have to sign Dylan Holloway. I'm sorry, Ryan McLeod, who's an RFA. They have to sign and Evan Bouchard, who's an RFA. Evan Bouchard will be an interesting deal. Bo Byram signed a short-term deal at $3.85 million. Evan Bouchard is not a better player than Bowen Byron. He's got a better shot, and he's important to Edmonton, certainly. But he's not better. I think he'll want big money. 
If I'm Edmonton, I look at a shorter term deal because you're in a window to win right now. You don't have the cap space. They have 4.775 million in cap space currently. And you got to sign two players and Bouchard, who knows? They got two goalies locked up for the next three years apiece. Kulak for three years, CC for two. Derek Ryan for another two. Hopkins for six, Evander Kane for three, Zach Hyman five. Three for McDavid, two for Drysaddle. So they have their core locked up. But they need to find room to make this happen, move a contract out if, if that's what has to happen, or find deals that make sense for Evan Bouchard. If a team wanted to press Edmonton, just like a team could press Boston with J Jeremy Swayman, sign them to an offer sheet because I don't know if they can match. It's a difficult process for, for Edmonton to match that because they'd have to – Teams would know they got to move money out. And teams might call on Dylan Holloway, who's been really unknown, but I think Edmonton banks on him being on the roster next year. Pardon me for my nose, but just a little stuffed up today. But lots. Montreal just traded Joel Edmondson. They had a quiet day otherwise. Nothing... Nothing transpired with them. Vancouver signed Ian Cole, one-year, three million, depth defenseman. Teddy Bluger to a one-year, 1.9 million. Great penalty killer, good bottom six player. And signed Carson Soucy, three years, 9.75 million total. I like Soucy from Seattle. He's kind of a bottom pair defenseman. Maybe could be your number four, but I like him. They needed, you know, Jack Rathbone and defense, and they were playing last year towards the end of the year. Can't play. Ian Cole has played in a lot of big games. He's slow. It's the only thing as he gets older and older. I, I saw playing for Tampa last year in the playoffs. He struggled. I don't love Ian Cole at this point. But I like – I think the Bluger you – know, in the past, Bluger would have been signed to like four years with the Lazar and the – and there was some of those bad contracts back in the day. But Bluger gets one year, 1.9. I like that gamble. And Susie, I like as a player as well. So I'll give that a B minus because I just think Ian Cole is not a, a big swing. And I still look at Vancouver. They're, I don't know where they're going. Resigned Pedersen, yes, but you still have JT Miller. Quinn Hughes is going to be your best defenseman. That's a, he's so small. Can he be? Winnipeg signed Nemesikov, two years, four million, so two million a year. And they brought back Laurent Brossois, one year, 1.75 million for him. And they signed two or three goalies on Saturday, minor league deals. So I think they're preparing for Hellebuck to depart sometime this offseason. I don't think he wants to be in Winnipeg to start next year. So I think they're bracing for that. I'll give that a C plus, C, just a C. There's pretty much a nothing day. Two guys that are pretty inconsequential when it comes to winning games in Winnipeg. For Winnipeg to be successful, I would trade Shifley and I would trade Hellebuck and I would see what I could do with my roster. 
because you can get players from those teams that can play at the NHL level next year and still be competitive in the Central Division. I truly believe that. But we'll see what Winnipeg does. They got an interesting couple couple months ahead of them and a lot of tricky moves. To wrap here, Dallas gets Matt Duchesne, one year, $3 million. Like that, good gamble for him and for the team. They also had Sam Steele, one year, eight hundred grand. Dallas is still in the position where they want to compete for a title. They're old. They're an older team. That's the only thing. I want to see them add to their back end like every team could. They didn't really do that on the weekend. It would have been nice if Scott Mayfield was available. He goes back to the Islanders. But I look around. Could, could you have found a defenseman? Could Gudis have went to Dallas? That would have helped. A Clifton that went to Buffalo. Uh, looking around, Susie would have been good in there. Um, Orloff, they couldn't have matched that with their, the money that they're currently spending. Uh, I don't want Shattenkirk. The Edmondson trade, that could have worked. They gave up, Washington gave up nothing for him. So there, there was options. Justin Hall, potentially take a flyer on him because he went to, to Detroit. Uh, Mikola, who went to Florida. But Dallas, the thing for Dallas is their defense is their weakest part of their team. I like Ottinger. Up front, they can score with anybody. But at the end of the end of last year, they had Heiskanen playing way too many minutes. And it can it just they couldn't he couldn't do enough. They didn't have enough depth to match Vegas's great defense score, the way they attacked in the forecheck. So Dallas didn't improve that. And unless they have guys in the American League that are just going to pop up and be great, I don't see that working. So they're, they're better, yes, but they, they didn't really improve on their weakness, in my, in my opinion. Islanders just re-signed. Re-signed Sorokin, eight years, $66 million. He is one of the best goalies in the league. They paid him as such. Angball, seven years times three. Are you fucking kidding me? I wouldn't sign him seven years anywhere. Maybe seven years to go to a penitentiary. That's about it. Uh, Maple Leafs fans rejoice that he's he'll never win anything. He'll never win a Stanley Cup with Engvall. Seven years? No way. I don't care what the number is. It could be seven years, seven million. I'm not signing that contract. Scott Mayfield, I like a lot. Seven years, three and a half million per. He would have gotten... I think he would have got more money in the open market, but he decides to go back to the Islanders, which he knows he fits that system. They got a good defense score. They'll see if they can compete. And they also re-signed Simeon Varlamov, 40 years, 2.75 per. They're spending a lot on net minders, I will say. Sorokin's a number one. I wouldn't have brought Varlamov back. I would have brought a cheaper backup behind him. Easier said than done, because you look around, Cam Talbot gets a cheap deal. And Jonathan Quick gets a cheap deal, but I think they're better options in net. Because Sorokin is so good, I don't think it's not a tandem goaltending situation. It just isn't. Brassois would have worked there, would have been fine for, for the Islanders. He would have worked. Vanacek in, in Nashville could have worked. Casey DeSmith in Pittsburgh is a good backup goaltender. Not, not Matt Murray. <laughs> Who did the rain? Yaroslav Halak. He's not signed yet, but maybe he, he 
would have been fine because he plays a ton of games. I just think there were better options than what was available. Than what I just don't I don't like spending that much money on goaltending. And when you're giving a backup 2.75, when I know I have a start, I define number one in, in a league where number ones are few and far between. You got one, covet the position. Don't spend more money. Improve your team elsewhere. Improve your team up front and try to add some scoring. And Arizona got to the cap floor. Jason Zucker, one year, 5.3 million. Good for him. Bukestad, two years. 2.1 million per and Kerfoot <laughs> two years, 7 million total. He's out of Toronto. They get to the cat floor. Those guys get big contracts to go play down there to golf and to play at the university rink. Good for them. Get the checks. Enjoy. That's pretty much it for now. Yamamoto to Seattle. But as I said off the top, there are going to be more things that happen. Eric Carlson's going to be moved. Do the Leafs resign their players? What happens with Jeremy Swayman in Boston? Mark Stahl went to the Flyers. How is he still in the league? RFAs, what happens with Alex DeBrinkett? Philip Gustafson has to be signed in Minnesota with Marc-Andre Fleury, Fleury still under contract. Article on TSN, Predators are winners. I disagree. And they don't say who wrote the article, so I can't say they're wrong. Just say TSN's wrong, I guess. But there will be more that happens, certainly. A lot is going to happen in the next couple weeks. More buyouts, more decisions on money. Evan Bouchard, is there? Will there be an offer sheet? There should be. Because this is the time to give one out because teams don't have the money to match. Edmonton, Boston, Toronto. Toronto's over the cap right now. Offer sheet Samson off if a team really wants him. Los Angeles should look into it. Los Angeles should look into Swayman or Samsonoff, as should New Jersey. Both teams are Stanley Cup contenders. They don't both don't have a number one goalie. Or at least a fringe starter. Banachek's not getting you far, and LA has nobody currently. So does the Scaroff get traded? What does Winnipeg do? What the fuck is Nashville doing down there? Do they trade a goaltender? We'll still have a lot to talk about. Tomorrow, any NHL news, we'll talk about it on the program. But tomorrow, the main thing, NBA free agency. A lot's happened there. Players want trades. Trades haven't happened yet, but signings all over the board. Teams are doing, some teams are doing really well. Some teams I don't like as much. Recap of the UFC weekend. The Blue Jays can't win a game. We'll talk about that tomorrow. They can't win a game in the American League East. Shohei Otani. Start of Wimbledon. All that on tomorrow's show. So be locked and loaded for tomorrow, Tuesday, the 4th of July. Hope you enjoyed the program today. Enjoy the rest of your Monday holiday. Till next time, thanks for hanging with me. This is To The Point.